Blog Talk Radio. standards 
of manhood, sometimes even the lowest standard of manhood out of a natural thing or out of prayers, hopes that he will rise up to manhood. She offers him offers him privileges that, you know, um, in a lot of instances that he doesn't even deserve. So it began me to thinking, damn, is our black woman really coming up under attack? You know, I know a lot of times the emphasis is put on the black man. We, we You know, we constantly hear the black man, the black man, the black man. Even in the news, I mean, you have black women murdered. We have one of the most uh, noted ones was Sandra Bland, the killing of Sandra Bland. But there's uh, countless other ones. You know, I can think of off the top of my head, the mother, I think her name was uh, Catherine Johnson in Atlanta. There's been another incident similar to that one where the police, the SWAT, had come in, had entered the wrong home. I, believe, I want to say this is in Texas. I, I'm not, I may not be quite accurate where it is. But, you know, they, they had come into the wrong home and shot like a 70-year-old like grandmother or something like this. So, you know, I began to think, is the black woman under attack? And not attack just because, you know, not some side effect of an attack against a black man, but deliberately coming under attack. And to me, that answer would be yes. I would have to say that the black woman is deliberately coming under attack. And we can see it from history after intentionally demasculating the black male, after intentionally depowering or making powerless on to feel powerless, the black male to take away the sanctity and the security and the stability that not only the black woman but the black child, the black family should feel with that male presence after that deliberately being stripped of the black man Naturally, like in a conversation I was having with the queen, which was very in-depth, nature will begin to right itself. When there's a wrong in nature, when something is not right in nature, nature will begin to right itself. I mean, you, you see it on the human body. They tell me if you lose something, like say if you lose your eyesight, your hearing becomes sharper. You know, if you lose your sense of smell, maybe your eyesight becomes so whatever nature will begin to create a balance or a, an attempt to create a balance where there is an imbalance or attempt to create a perfection where there may be something that is deemed an imperfection. And so we saw this in the natural phenomenon because that's all to me. I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, that's all revolution is. Revolution is natural. Revolution is natural. Revolution is the process of a wrong righting itself. With oppression breeds resistance. It's that simple. Revolution is natural. You must revolve. And things must go back around. It has to. You know, so we see that uh, this process of when the black man was taken out of any position to be that sense of stability or security or you know, um, held up as the head of a household, a role model, anything like that, then we begin to see, which was a natural process, our women take on these roles. And in the beginning, when you had, let me see, social cultural traditions regulating or delegating 
roles for black women, when they were forced to play a certain role, they couldn't be as masculine as they are today. They still had to be feminine. They still had to be women. So what did they do in order? I mean, they couldn't step up and be like, you know, like we see them today, some of the things they say, I'm the mama and the daddy. They had to be a feminist. So in order to protect the black family, still being strong, still being out in their forefront, they had to effeminize. If not effeminize, they had to what I call punk the black man. And it wasn't out of a dislike for the black man, I don't think. I think that it was out of for his survival, you know. And so they begin to tell the black man, don't confront this. Don't look that white man in the eyes. Say this. Do that. You know, to keep him from being a target. And in doing this, um, you know, when the, the black man really began to take on some characteristics that wasn't favorable to a black society or to a, the black man taking his proper place in that black society. So the black women begin to evolve more. We're talking about evolution here. You see, revolution is science. So we're talking about the evolution here. So the black woman begin to evolve. And when the black woman began to evolve, she began to take on more of these predominant roles, more of these prominent, a prominent place in the black social structure. And she became, and let's be real, she became a pillar, and from a pillar in a lot of instances and cases, the pillar of the black community. Therefore, making her, putting her out front, making her a target of white America. So I do believe that the black woman is a target of white America, that she's being targeted. And the targeting doesn't always come in the death and destruction. It doesn't always come the way that we like to see, you know, this is, you know, the way that we think of targeting. We think, you know, um, some type of physical conflict, some type of physical repression, so something like this. But targeting could be, to change and alter, manipulate mental patterns and social cultural conditions to the detriment of black people. Basically what I'm saying is taking the black woman out of any role that would be beneficial for us as a people and having given her the mindset or the state of mind that will create uh, her to behave in such a manner that is detrimental to the development of African people here in America based on, uh, or African people here in America that would help their advancement and empowerment. So how does revolution address this? How do you see the black woman being targeted, or is she being targeted? I would love to hear from the brothers. I know some brothers out there say that, man, black women got it easy. Targeted how? It's the black man being targeted. You know, then I know some sisters say, yeah, we're being targeted, and we're even being targeted by black men. I would love to hear your take on that, how you feel that we, you know, you're being targeted on black men or, or by the system and how black men contribute to that targeting. Because revolution, our revolution is just not a political revolution. Our revolution is a social cultural revolution. So every revolution must address the social cultural phenomena. It has to. It has to, because you can change the so-called politics. It's like I always talk about when you hear me talk about communism and socialism from a Marxist Engels uh, perspective, from a Leninist, a Marxist-Leninist communist 
on social respect, it is still socially, culturally, culturally, socially and culturally, it is still Eurocentric. It is still white. So therefore, the politics have changed. The politics are all inclusive. The politics are distribution of wealth. But the social cultural phenomena of European supremacy, white supremacy, white entitlement, white privilege still exist. So us, our African revolution, must address the social cultural phenomena. And it must address the phenomena of, like I said, my position is I think the black woman is being targeted. I think she really has become a target. And I think one of the dangers is is that our sisters aren't quite aware. I think that, you know, the targeting of black women is very subtle. I think that it is very convert. In some instances, for our more outspoken black women, for our sisters on the front line, there again I mentioned I did beloved Sandra Bland, rest in power Sandra Bland. I think that, you know, yeah, a lot some of the attacks are overt. They're straight to your face. It is what it is. And even that is a challenge to the black community. Like, yeah, we kill your women. She going to do about it. But I think a lot of the attack is a covert attack. It is it, targeting. It is subtle. It's through the commercials. They understand the spending power, the earning power, the economic power of black women. They understand it. Hell, in a lot of instances, they contributed to it. So they do understand that power. So when you look at a lot of the commercials and things, they're targeting black women. They understand um, the process of, of reproduction. They understand, brothers, I know we like to think we run in some in that area, but we don't. So a lot of the black women set the standard and the pace in that. They understand the, a very basic, a very basic fact that the woman is the first teacher of humanity. That child first begins to learn from the mother. So if they can corrupt, if they can begin to manipulate the mother's mind and manipulate and implant false teaching patterns, patterns of inferiority into the black woman then she will begin to pass this down to the black child. So this is why the attack on her is so vital. So how do we as revolutions? Tonight we're seeking answers. We want to put our brain together. We want to know what are some of these attacks levied against the black woman by the system, by the state, and how we uh, play, us as black men, when I say we, I'm speaking about the black men, how we end up contributing to the destruction, the demise of the revolutionary African woman here in America, to the revolutionary concept and philosophy and ideology that our black women must embrace and not just embrace but propagate, upheld, and live by. What does a revolutionary ideology look like for the black woman here in America? A lot of times we talk about, excuse me, talk about revolution. It is very male-dominated, the conversations, the programs, the trainings, not that in the fight for freedom and liberation, there is no sexes. I don't believe in gender bias. But I do believe in gender roles. Not that one role is inferior or another role is superior, no. But there are gender roles. There are things that um, men, I feel like, based on anatomy, based on cultural concepts, 
based on thought patterns and brain waves or whatever scientific things you want to attribute to it, natural are inclined to naturally a little bit. They just lean towards that. I mean, it's been proven. I forget the brother's name. Um, man, what is the brother's name? Who wrote the book, The Destruction of Black Boys. The Destruction of Black Boys. And he talks about that in his in his book. He talks about it. He talks about how when you talk in grade school, when he looked at how social the women were, the little girls were, how they played tea party and, you know, how they really got along. And as opposed to the as opposed to the little boys who were cool playing by themselves and were also that but their play was more um wasn't social, what did he call it? like hands on. It was very hands on. So we see that there are some things, I mean, you know, if you look at it, and I'm sure that even somebody will come on the phone with some scientific facts, that there are some things that can be scientifically proven that male and female are, are inclined to, that lean towards certain things naturally as opposed to others. So I do believe in saying that means I believe in these specific roles, but how can revolution be addressed in such a manner that women see their place in revolution and see how vital it is, see the importance of propagating and pushing a revolutionary ideology and philosophy, one that not only are they comfortable with, but one that can that they can live by and pass down and pass on to other sisters to get them to participate. I don't think that we really, as men, we really look at that. Mm. Or that we, and I think that, that that comes from because the white supremacy we face, we say white supremacy because we are men, but that white supremacy, the whole title of that white supremacy is white male supremacy. It's white male supremacy. And subconsciously, we take on a male supremacist sometimes aspect and attitude in the way that we approach things and in the way that we approach our families in the way that we address our women, in the way that we address, even in the way that we step in society. We'll take on a male supremacist attitude subconsciously a lot of times. I don't think we intentionally do that, especially those of us that are revolutionary that don't subscribe or adhere to any gender bias consciously, but just due to white male supremacy, we've picked that up. We're busy fighting white supremacy that we have, sometimes we overlook the aspect of it having male um, attributes and male aspects to it, male supremacist attributes and male supremacist aspects to it, and carry that over into our revolutionary movement for liberation. This is just something we have to be careful of, realistically. I mean, you find it even when you find us in arguments with our women and in the our exchange and interactions. Are we coming as egalitarian? One of our principles in the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination is egalitarianism. You know, we believe in equality. We believe that the highest fruition or uh, aspiration on the planet Earth for the human being is the equality of life, better conditions, the right to an unencumbered, unencumbered uh, existence, that every human being has this right. We're egalitarians. We believe in the equality. We're not fighting. I'm not fighting to kill any one particular group of people or any one ethnicity, I'm fighting for my right, my natural right on this planet Earth that I've been placed on. That's what the fight is for, self-determination. You see, 
So do we practice this principle in relations to dealing with the opposite sex, dealing with our African women, dealing with our black women? And this is what we have to ask ourselves. And a lot of times, you know, we will find, if we're honest, we will find the answer no. And I think that the answer will be no. And I think that this contributes to the targeting of African women here in America. And a lot of times our unsuspecting participation in that targeting. Let's go. You're listening to your chairman, your host, national chairman, Yang Nkrumah, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, Independence, Black Blog Talk, Radio, The People's Voice. We're talking about the targeting of African black women uh, here in America. Press one, and you can join in the conversation, and you're, you're always invited and always welcome. Let's go to our phone lines. Area code 512-0915. Your mic is open. Black Power. Black Power. I like the subject that that we're covering today. I was uh, doing some research, and it was saying, you know, our black women depend on the government nowadays. And, you know, once they have that self-determination, they know they got the power within them to own their own businesses. And you That's know, right come up off, yes, sir, and come up off the struggle, mm-hmm. and not depending on anybody, because you know she's strong enough to empower herself and others around her. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to recruiting more women. And uh, I just had a meeting today, one of my fellow comrades, and he introduced me to this lady. You know, it was her birthday, and uh, mm-hmm. we established that she'll be a good access to this structure that we're trying to build here in Austin, Texas. Right on, man, right on. That's right, man. Shout out to Austin, Texas. But let me challenge you on that, brother, and I love, yeah. thank you for participating. But you said a good yes, thing sir. that our women are are, are relying on, um, relying on, um, whatchamacallit, shout out to Brother Jarvis. Yes, sir. Um, but Brother Jarvis, let me ask you this. You still with me, brother? You still here? Yes, sir. Because that's a good that's a good point. You know, our women have have, you know, sort of relying on the government. Let me ask you in your opinion, what do you think led them to have to be dependent on government aid? I would say the family within, you know, she was so used to that learning and learning and learning that way that she never found the outskirts on how to control you know what I'm saying, what she needs and business-wise, uh, financial-wise. But some people go through child support to make money or, you know, they, they got uh, housing or whatever. You know, we could, we could be able to own our own real estate and, you know, have a town of a black nation for ourselves. That's what I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to. Right on, right on. And that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate goal is to have our own. You know, and to add on what the brother's saying, you know, because I do agree with you, but I'm going to go there a little bit too, brother, and I'm going to leave your mic open for a little bit should you want to come back in. Um, You know, to go there too, the destruction of the black family led her a lot of times forced, you know what I'm saying, them to go to the government. You know, I'm I'm at a certain age where I remember, you know, especially I'm coming from uh, at a certain age where I'm coming from Reagan years. You know, I remember when Ronald Reagan was a president. I don't even know if some of y'all know who Ronald Reagan is. You know, and Reagan was so bad in the presidency 
with the economy. They had a term called it Reaganomics. That's how bad the economy had gotten to where, you know, there weren't jobs. This is why we had the crack boom. You're talking about in the 80s where crack cocaine really had taken off because what I like to call the underground economy, but what we call dope dealing and, and drug selling and stuff really took off because that's where the money was. It wasn't any jobs. And so when it wasn't any jobs, the social programs were being cut. You know what I'm saying? You, you're talking about Reagan. He was a Republican. They were cutting social programs. And how did they – they couldn't – you can't just – when you cut social programs – you can't just cut everybody off the social programs or you'll have mass hysteria in the streets. In other words, you'll have Negroes running rampant. Niggas would tear it up. So what they did was they cut a lot of the men off the social programs and told our women that if you have a man, you can't get aid. You can't get welfare. You can't get uh, subsidized housing. You can't get food stamps. You couldn't get a lot of these things if you had a man. And it got so bad, Brother Jarvis, when I was coming up, that these white folks, you know, I lived in a Section 8 community, poor poor project, you know what I'm saying, with my mother. And we would have this white woman come and do inspections. She would do inspections. And she would, now imagine this, I'm in the free world. This is not prison. This isn't. Some it shouldn't be some concentration camp. You know, yes, we were supposed to be free. And this white woman would come and inspect our home and look in the closet to look around for signs of a man in the house. You couldn't have a man in the house. And mind you, here this black woman is with this 13, 14-year-old boy, young man coming up. And they didn't, and the system had it so bad, they didn't even want a man around. A man couldn't live around me. You see what I'm saying? So our women, during that phase, our women, so Uncle Sam, the government became their man. The government became their man. You know, and it began, and once they did that, it took the necessity from the black man being in the house. They took the financial necessity of the black man being in the house. Then the women began to see what, you know, at, at some point in time, it, it, it starts to get into your culture. Well, what is this man really good for? Because he's not in the house. And then, you know, when you don't have a clear definition of manhood, you begin to say, okay, do I need him to raise a man? Hell, I don't even think he was a good man. So what do I really need him for outside of if I don't have this money? So one of the things is, you know, I always say is redefine manhood. You know, all of that, like you said, Brother Jarvis, and I appreciate um, the call, dear brother, too. But like you said, you know, that that is an attack on a woman. Everything that glitters is not gold. Because the government is offering this program and that program, we have to see, you know, what they're giving with the right hand and taking with the left. What do I have to exchange? What does it, I hear the old, a Bible verse, y'all done got the old preacher coming out of me. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and loseth his soul? You know, what benefit is it to gain X, Y, and Z but have to lose A, B, and C? But if that isn't, if we don't, Equate these in relation to our survival. If, I, if what we do isn't measured by the advancement and empowerment of African people, then, you know, anything goes. 
And I think that black women play more of a prominent role. I think the trick is with us to get us to bite into this so-called, a lot of it into this so-called male supremacy or this male way of thinking and not understanding the vital role that black women play in talking about, don't get me wrong for you, my kinematic brothers, but I ain't talking about you Negroes or the black women, the God, Empress of the Earth, mm-hmm. all that to get some tail. You know what I'm saying? You're going to what I call conscious pimping. I'm going to keep it real. Some brothers might get mad at me on the line tonight, but I'm keeping it. You're doing all yeah. that. You're just conscious pimping. Oh, queen, God, it's this and that. Go home, smack your wife up. You know what I'm saying? Ain't seen your kids in 20 years and not because the woman won't. I'm sure there's circumstances where there's, you know, sometimes it's hard to see the babies, but when the baby's up the block and there's no hindrance and you just ain't doing it because we're being lazy. There's a lot of things us as black men must address amongst ourselves, and we just have to keep that real. You know what I'm saying? So, But I'm talking about realistically seeing the black woman in the vital role that she plays in the linchpin of black society and more particularly the black family, the black family. And when we remember this, that the black woman is not our sidekick. She is not a, a, a uh, condiment. She ain't ketchup on a hot dog. She's not an ornament, that she is a revolutionary fighter, that she is essential and vital to the revolution for liberation of black people in America, we will begin to treat her like a comrade. How many of us can honestly say we treat the black woman like a comrade? Like a comrade. We'll go through it. I mean, we'll go through it with the comrade. Yeah, comrade. What's going on, comrade? And then the black woman, queen, goddess, empress. You know, we go, I mean, do we really have that? camaraderie, that love for her like a comrade. And the love for her like a comrade will begin to allow us to treat her like a comrade. And what? Expect from the black woman camaraderie and revolutionary behavior. Because comrade is a revolutionary word. When we begin to do that, we will begin to expect revolutionary behavior from the black woman. So we have to be, I think that a lot of that is being realistic with ourselves and stop fooling ourselves and playing with ourselves. Let's go to our phone lines. Again, area code 505-9899. Your mic is open. Peace, everybody. How's everybody doing? Peace, brother. What's good? All right. Now, I'm just, I was enjoying the show, and I, I was just wanted to say something about the, uh, the, the male privilege. I heard that part, and... Um, it's kind of funny that you would say that because, honestly, the black man has never needed um, white man's help when it came to playing the male privilege card, and especially now. Mm. You know, uh, queens are vital to everything. That, that without them, there's no us. But we've never treated them with that respect, and that's mm. always been the problem, you know. And then to come under a slave system, where these European men treated their women like cattle property anyway. So, you know, I I, I just I agree with what you're saying. Once we embrace that the women are more revolutionary than most men, we would be able to progress something, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know what, brother, and like you said, I think it's about, though, embracing them as revolutionaries. 
You know, we have to be. I want, you know, it took somebody to get me to see that there was some black male privilege. I argued that fact, and I'm still on the borderline of that because I haven't seen so much black privilege. But when it was explained to me that privilege isn't always a reward, when we looked up privilege, sometimes privilege means immunity. You know what I'm saying? And not always reward. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, like the sister was explaining, she said, no, it's like when I go out, I have, a, I have to have a man with me because I'm not as likely to be attacked because of male privilege. And I'm like, how is that privilege? And isn't that male immunity? Your, immu- you know, the, your mere manliness creates a, a different environment, a different energy. It can change the circumstances. It definitely makes people look at you know, I think twice about if they, you know, had any nefarious, you know, ideas or any uh. ideas of doing something that wasn't right and exact. It makes them think of it. So I can understand privilege in that way. But, you know, the way that we use privilege, I didn't see the black man having that. When we go to the black woman, I do see, I think sometimes we don't see them as revolutionary. And even in our adoration of them, even in our respect for the black woman, even in our love of the black woman, we don't treat her really revolutionary. We still treat her like a, um, you know, above revolutionary. You know what I'm saying? I'm not one of those that go so sappy that I don't demand of the black woman revolutionary participation, revolutionary fervor, and revolutionary, uh, revolutionary uh, uh, participation. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, so. but 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 actually, when you think about it, women shit every day, <laughs> and they do Ooh. it. Um, they it it keeps us in line, you know. It keeps us in line. This is why I don't think that they'll ever get the props that they deserve. But until they do, and are treated, uh, you know, equally like they should be, because there's still there's always been some sort of a divide there and men are the reason that that's happened the only person who's never had to validate themselves in america is the white man mm-hmm. but the white woman and everyone else <laughs> has had yeah. to even those who were here before them have had yeah. to so you know this is something that's in the culture and considering mm-hmm. we were stripped of ours and we were forced to to learn theirs um, yeah, the residue from that shit's gonna fall for a while, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. But it's like what you said, you know, our women hold it together. That's why I say that they play such a vital part. And that's why I say that they're being targeted. Because our women right. do hold it together. And if they're not careful, if they're not careful, the way that they hold it the way that our women are holding it together could be contrary to the advancement and empowerment of African people here in America because they do play such a pivotal role. It's what we teach our kids. Do we teach our children that the only success is to go to college, get a, especially in these single-parent homes where there's a lot of women, go to college, you know, get an education so you can get a good job? Or is she teaching them entrepreneurship? You know what I'm saying? Is she teaching them to right. work for the Fortune 500 company or to come back and give to the community? What is her attitude? towards black men, because that attitude towards black men will translate and trickle down to black children, even if it's one of the reasons, you know, one of the reasons, I was watching a good video, man, on YouTube, I wish I could find it, I have looked for that, 
And I'm I'm issuing a verbiage alert. Verbiage alert. The language is going to get a little rough. I know we have children that listen to the show. So for a minute, take your children out of the room. But it was a video that it said black women are raising bitch niggas. You know what I'm saying? And the title's rough. The title's rough. But some of the things that the brother was saying was saying on key point. He said, like, now you look at these men, they're metrosexual. They're putting more Mm. emphasis on how much money they spend on their clothes. That used to be the woman's trait, darling herself up, beautifying herself for a minute. He said, now these men are all about their clothes. Versace, Gucci, got this Gucci belt, got these for 400 shoes. He said, men used to throw their fists. Women used to reach in their pocketbooks or reach in their bra for a weapon. He said, now brothers are pulling weapons quicker. They don't throw the fist. He said, women were given an intellect and a tongue, a very sharp tongue, you know, and we know our sisters have these intellect. They are very witty, and they are quick with these tongues. Don't try to get in wordplay with a real sister because she will cut you down verbally. Now you find men more verbal than a lot of the sisters. So we see a lot of these traits, and then even the hatred. That's that brothers project towards one another. The how quickly we are to take the life of one another. A lot of it, and and I could be wrong. And listen, you can press one and join in this conversation anytime. But I I, I say it's a lot of it is because when you hear your mother say, "Niggas ain't shit," Ooh. niggas ain't shit. You begin to devalue black life, especially if you're a black man. Your first teacher is your mother. Your first love is your mother. And when your mother's constantly hollering about how a nigga ain't shit, first of all, you don't feel like nothing because you're a little man. So you apparently, you know, I fit in this gender you're talking about. I think even if your little guy doesn't conceptualize all the scientific terms, you know you're a little boy. I am a boy, Damon. You know you're a little boy, and you know that you can feel the energy and this hatred that the black woman, your mother, has against black men, you begin to devalue the life of other black men, even your own. Because why? Niggas ain't shit. My mama said niggas ain't shit. So I think that the tar- and I think that our enemies that be, the powers that be, understand this phenomena, understand that black women are the first teachers, and they target them. Like I said in the beginning of the monologue, the opening monologue, beginning of the show, targeting isn't always a physical one, but targeting the mental to alter the social and cultural conditions that we live in. And I think that our women are targeted for that. I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. But then so are our youth. So are yeah. us. Uh, yeah. We all are. You know, yes, they would target. The, the black woman always was a target. But there was a time when that was still, you know, even during the slave, slavery, she was the strongest one. She was the one who would say something to the master to save her family, whereas the man may have felt emasculated, especially in that situation, totally understandable. Still, at the same time, the woman still had to be strong, even in the worst conditions. So, yeah, you know, I I totally agree with what you're saying, brother. I totally agree. I I do feel that they are targeted, um, and it is definitely a psychops target. Mm-hmm. And they are used mm-hmm. against us at times, um, you know, but that's because when you can sit and twist a, a people's minds up and then hand them some other shit, tell them that that's, this is the way it should be, this is order, this is civilized, mm-hmm. and they have to accept it, 
you know, that's where that that's because I mean, if you don't really go along with what this system is trying to sell, then you starve or you run afoul of it, one or the other. That's it. Absolutely. You know, and most women, uh, you know, would love to to just be able to be, you know, strong for the black man. But most of them do have a contempt for black men, and black men are just as complicit in that as uh, the system. Because we've been out, of, you know, to me, I'm at a point where I don't want to hear about the first pilot no more, no first nothing. We've been here too long for the first shit. I, I don't want to hear about that no more. You know, I don't right. want to hear about none right. of that. That means nothing to me. What I want right. to hear about is the first uh, true system that truly does embrace each man's and each woman's vote, and everyone's mm-hmm. paid fairly, and there's opportunity there, and... When I go to Taco Bell at 3 o'clock in the morning, a cop pulling me over is not because of my skin or because of mm-hmm. me being a black male. You know, so mm-hmm. black women have a responsibility to educate themselves and make sure that their children are ready for this system. Chris Rock said something in his comedy that I thought was funny, where he said that he painted everything that was hot or heavy, <laughs> whatever yeah, would make them think. He shark, painted it white. yeah. yeah. Yeah, he made him, he painted yeah. it white, so they'd have yeah. to think before they did shit with it. He had to prepare mm-hmm. them for the system. I mm-hmm. feel that that's where we run into problems because if you can get the woman, the mother, the first teacher, to be lax about that, because she's busy trying to feed everybody and take care of the bills and do everything, then yeah, that's a good weapon to use in a war on some people. Keeps them absolutely. <laughs> Well, you said something. Key. You said something that was key, brother. And I love that you said that because that's what's happened so much in our movement. We've mistaken black facts for revolution. We've mistaken yep. black facts for like we think because somebody can get up there and quote you some dates and times in history that some brother and sister invented something that they King Kong Ding Dong that that's the top of the line revolutionary. Oh, that brother know. Oh, those are called black facts. That isn't revolutionary philosophy, ideology, you know what I'm saying, or or methodology. That's nothing containing to, yeah, they, it's good to serve as inspiration and motivation to let us know that we come from a mighty people, a very ingenuitive people, a very ingenious people, the builders of civilization. All of that's good for cheerleading. But when mm-hmm. we talk about revolution, <laughs> practical solutions to revolution, that's, that's nothing. Like, I'm like you. We sit around talking about the first blacks all damn day. And I think that this is what has to happen. Like you said, our women have been breadwinners. Our women have gotten out here and faced some of the most, uh, um, man, some very trying obstacles just in their everyday existence. But us as revolutionaries, men and women, how do we take that and show them how to transfer that into revolutionary action? The revolutionary is one that is conscious of their every action. Everything they do is geared towards the liberation of African people. If it doesn't contribute to that, then you don't. It's like me. I'm not saying don't get fly. I'm not saying don't look nice, don't dress. But get a watch. You know, buy a watch, revolutionary. Malcolm said, I don't trust a man that doesn't have a watch. Buy a watch. Stop relying on your phones and your tablets and all this electronics. And go buy a watch. You feel what I'm saying? Even if so, even if you got to be fly fresh and it got to be, do something that's practical. So the revolutionary takes and translates everyday actions into revolutionary actions. 
even on the smallest scale. And I think that a lot of times, and this is what I love about our women, our women are very practical because our women have been put in a position where they have to be, um, in, you know, in a lot of instances, where they have to be the breadwinners and the centerpiece, the, 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 the stabilizer of the family, the security of the family. So they've been put in that position. So how, and so they don't have time for the sensation. The revolutionism. I get onto YouTube and I see these so-called black leaders, man, and I'm disgusted as a revolutionary. I'm disgusted. I see these Negroes with their Captain Crunch uniforms on and all these goddamn stars and bars and ain't been a, ain't been in the Boy Scouts. Couldn't lead you out of a wet paper bag, but they general this and Captain that and Colonel Colonel this, you know, nigga, right. really, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Have no, yeah. no, and not being honest with it. We have so turned the revolution into a sideshow, into a circus. And our women being very practical, um, practical human beings, don't really buy in. After a while, I don't buy into that because they have families. They have things to do. So the revolutionary, again, I say the revolutionary must make it applicable, must make it tangible, must make the revolution uh, understandable and show the people, and specifically, we're talking about black women here now, particularly our black women, why it is essential, why it's vital to embrace revolutionary ideology. But that comes from knowing what a revolutionary ideology is. And a revolutionary ideology is what, and here's the difference between black facts and revolutionary ideology. Black facts are just that. They're historic, they're factual, they're not going anywhere. Revolutionary ideology is living. The revolutionary ideology must evolve. The revolutionary ideology says that we can quote Huey P. Newton, but to emulate Huey P. Newton in everything he did is foolishness. It ensures certain doom because as society evolves, as the issues change, as the, the attacks change, as the system of attack changes, then the response to it or the defenses that we use to counter it or to prevent it in the offset must evolve and change also. And this is what has been hindering us as revolutionaries. We have gotten stuck on black facts, and we have begun to equate and make synonymous black facts with revolutionary actions and revolutionary teachings, and they are not the same. They are not the same. I am not a black fact scholar. You can find some people that can will know a lot more than me about some black facts. Though I like to consider myself one of the blackest or one of the most African men walking around in America, but I am a revolutionary. So therefore, I adhere to revolutionary ideology, philosophy. And even in my beliefs, my spiritual beliefs, it is a revolutionary liberation theology. So everything about me is revolutionary. And this is what I try to pass on to my daughter and pass on to the female comments. And this is why I, I love the females and the people, Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, because we're constantly pushing revolutionary ideology, revolutionary ideology. You know, and black facts are used only to reinforce and reiterate a point founded in revolutionary ideology. And until we do that, until our women see that, that this is, 
living and that it's something that they can use to not just better themselves but to help their family, all of it is just going to seem like gibberish, and they're going to constantly go over um, seeking comfort and seeking solace and answers from the enemy. Why? Not so much that they love the enemy more, they love the oppressor more. I wouldn't even say that about our black woman, but that going and seeking those answers in that produces results. But I don't think they're being given answers, sir. I think they're being given options, not answers. Yeah. Because if they were being given answers, they would give those answers to their children, those that love their child. They're going to want their child to be as informed and as ready as possible. But when you're given options... And they have options. They can have the option to work a part-time job or go inform themselves so that even though they may be struggling, now they know why they need to do certain things with their children to make sure that they're ready. But if that's when you have, you know, with those, those that have the money and can do that, yeah, they should be. But I give a yeah. pass to some of the, uh, to those trying to, just trying to, to eke out a living here. You're not giving a whole lot of room for uh, that. That free time might be sleep time. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, So you know, so so it it is important that they find some way for this to happen. But this is hard because you have religion, you have so many other things that you know pacify and tell them just put it in Jesus' hands, uh, give it to Allah, whoever your God is. And and a lot of times people take that literally. Rather than figuratively, you know, it's and nothing wrong with believing in something, but you're here, you're human, your child being hungry, yeah. you can't pray that night. You got to get something for the baby. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> you know, get listen, something for the baby. <laughs> that's revolutionary. And like, let me go back to the first thing. A lot of times when you don't have an answer, answer and option are synonymous. They're one and the same. An option becomes the answer to a problem. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of when you don't have an answer, that option is that answer. I have a problem. I have to eat. I don't know how I'm gonna. Here's the here's, here's the problem. That is the question. Now the question is how I'm gonna eat. The option is take this job. That is also the answer to my question of poverty or my question of hunger. You know. Now when I say the revolution, this is why I say that the revolutionary only deals with black facts when it reinforces and reiterates a revolutionary philosophy. What is the black that the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, our answer to revolution or our answer to the problem and the uh, component of revolution is self-determination. We believe in the independence of African people here in America, that we should fight for that, that we should strive for that, that that should be our end goal, complete and total independence um, from any outside forces to control our destiny. That, that's it. So what we do is we don't get in black facts to – cause divisiveness. We know that the road to independence and the road to liberation is unity, African communalism. So we won't use a black fact to cause divisiveness. You know, so like you said, they believe in their Jesus. I believe in my Jesus. I believe in my... They have to see how religion... We can. I can beat them up and tell them, oh, Jesus ain't real, that Christianity ain't real, that's foolishness, you believe it. Or I can show them how the white man does with his religion, the white man, the Arab, every people's religion is a political, economic, social, cultural tool, except for the African man in America. We're the ones that get caught up in the God concept of it. Look at Constant, look at uh, uh, the Council of, what is it, what uh, my man Constantinople did, the Council of Nicaea. 
mm-hmm. with the Christianity. Mm-hmm. They decided what books they was going to keep in. What did this do? This reinvigorated Rome. It brought Rome back up. Rome united up under Christianity. They left the pagan and they said, you know what? We can unite up under Christianity, all of this paganism, these different gods we got. Let's unite up under Jesus and then kill the rest of the pagans who don't want to get with us. You know what I'm saying? Look at you. Look at some some empires in Africa. It wasn't so much that they believed in Islam. They said, you know what? We can use this to unite empires, political, social, economic tools. And so what I tell them that if you believe in in your Jesus, I'm not at this point. It's not my job to argue with you with theology. There are people who do that, and and I'm not knocking the people who do that. They can go back and forth. I'm telling you, how does your theology benefit you? Benefit us as a people I find in some of the teachings of Jesus Things that are non-ethnicity uh, non Non-ethnicity uh, based on color Jesus said love God with all your heart Love your brother as you love yourself I say hey man love your brother as you love yourself You want to go for yourself That's your brother he look like you He'd be like You know start implementing that Get out of the colonialist mind state of white You know I'm not going to tackle this Thing. And maybe if I can get them to see black Or get them to see black liberation Black theology, black uh, revolution Then they evolve to something else In their religious beliefs I think touching on that distracts from the revolution I think that everything The revolutionary Tries to make everything from spending To the food we eat The revolution realizes that health plays an issue Or plays an important role In our revolution So we must begin to eat healthy So we address Health issues, anything that will advance and empower us as a people, the revolutionary must use as a weapon. You know, we I, it kills me how we think we're going to fight a revolution, and we go to tearing down everything our people our people have. The revolution will use everything as a weapon. The revolutionary will use anything and everything as a weapon in the fight of liberation. Rick, a brick, a rock, a stick. Christianity, Islam, anything, if it's going to empower the people, you know, and this is one of the things that, and I don't think that I want to see that. I think that we do a lot more um, spitting of the facts, you know, uh, uh, what I'm posturing, than we do than really trying to bring some type of solution to the problems that we're facing as people. And, and like you were saying, more so our women who are really looking for answers who have been due to social conditions and historic conditions, the historical dialectic that has placed us in the place that we are now and, and have placed our women in the position that they're in now, really looking for solutions. I don't know, is a revolutionary, are we are revolutionaries, are we comfortable enough saying that we have offered real practical solutions to our people or have we got caught up into when I told at this, excuse me, brothers, at this coming of uh, social media, got caught up in the Facebook phase, you know, in the YouTube celebrity celebrity type of thing. And listen, let me sit down my call sign, brother, before we jump back in. You're listening to the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, uh, Independence Black Blog Talk Radio. We're talking about the targeting of African black women and revolution. And other things that go along with this conversation Press 1 if you like to join in uh, And offer your comments Critiques and criticisms Your opinion They're more than welcome We're drawn to this discussion But we'd love to hear what you think Are black women being targeted? 
You know, are they revolutionary enough? Aren't they revolutionary enough? Is the black man playing enough or contributing enough to uh, revolutionize our black women? Or like the brother said, you know, in, in a lot of instances, and I would agree in some instances, the, the black women are more revolutionary than black men. Sometimes, unfortunately, in my opinion, in their revolution, in their causing a revolution, it's not always to our better, but nonetheless, it's a change in society. You know, are we guiding and leading this revolution? And I think these are questions that we have to ask ourselves. Go ahead, brother. Your, your, your mic's open. Oh, okay. Well, no, I, I, I actually I disagree. I think that they are way more revolutionary than us. Men, men are posture way more than they actually, you know, go through with certain things. This is what was. I mean, if it wasn't for women, the Oakland chapter of the Black Panthers probably would have disintegrated. <laughs> it was women that kept that going, you know. So they gonna always get that uh, they props where I'm concerned. I actually have a formation myself, um, and my leadership is a co-chair system with a male and a female because I feel like, and actually he knows that really a lot of stuff he's going to have to defer to her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Definitely, Mm -hmm. you know, that's where Mm -hmm. the wisdom is, you know, okay? We can be logic. Women can be logical and emotional. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we need that. Men are afraid to be emotional. Women aren't. (laughs) Right, you know, well, so you we know, need I, that, you know. I agree with. I don't know if I'm gonna say more revolutionary, and and y'all heard it. Like I said, y'all can jump in and anytime and chime. I don't know if I'm gonna say more revolutionary. I'm like you though. I it's the best qualified. My Newark chapter, um, um, in Jersey, Newark, New Jersey. My chapter, my chairperson is a woman, the phenomenal young lady. I like, mm-hmm. but it's based on her commitment to revolution her grasp of revolutionary concepts and ideology and philosophy, and then the actions that she carries out in the name of revolution. I don't know if her being a woman gives her that type of understanding. You know, I just think right now she was the best person. I think in certain aspects, women do have an understanding because it's, like I was saying earlier, I believe in the roles of male and female, not in superior are inferior, but just certain natural roles, certain natural inclinations that men and women have to certain functions and certain things that we do, you know. But I don't know. You know, I I, I can't say that they're really more revolutionary. You know, I strong, eh, maybe, you know, uh, uh, some would even say smarter. You know, I know definitely I, I feel more social. You know, but revolutionary, that's a big, you know, that's a big title. Listen, I love to, I love to hear um, what you think out there in the, in the, and maybe the topic's heavy. I don't see people present one. I see we got this list of callers. They're like, I'm not touching this. My wife is sitting right here listening next to me. I am not touching this. <laughs> True power is always wielded from behind. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we understand we're putting a lot of people on the spot. But if we have sisters out there, I'd love to hear what the what the women think. I think, you know, when you say more revolutionary, revolution in the sense of making changes, but is it revolutionary towards African liberation? I do think women will yield a lot of power in making changes in society, but those changes haven't always been for the best. Those changes, like revolution, 
my dear brother, to me is um, progressive. You know what I'm saying? Revolution is progressive. Revolution is proactive. And you were making some jokes, like you said, during slavery time, the roles that women had to play. A lot of that was based on survival. You know, and some of that's the what it should be based on to... today, survival, because that's what it comes down to. See, our yeah. revolution hasn't moved at the same rate that the European expansion and takeover of this has. Our revolution yeah. has slowed. Sometimes it stopped. Then we got in fighting, and then we got all of these other dumb shit that gets in the way. You know, mm-hmm. the one thing I mm-hmm. notice about Europeans, Asians, and others, Arabs, all of them, when it comes down to the money, when it comes down to the power, they'll get together to fight to keep that. Why yeah. won't we? Yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of that is because they have they, they have a lot of their culture still intact. You know what I'm saying? A lot of their culture is still intact. And a lot of their culture prescribes how they should socialize. The things that they, it's almost an obligation for them to help one another and lift one another up. And I agree with you. Revolution is about survival, but survival from what perspective? Survival from advancement or survival from fear, because it's fear-induced. A lot of when we study historically, a lot of, and this is not a slight to our black women, please, sisters out there on the line, don't think that this is a slight to black women. We're just stating a fact here. But a lot of the survival was fear-induced. One of the things that in the studies I found out is, like you were saying, when they um, say that niggas ain't shit or whatever, a lot of that came from slavery, and I didn't know. When the master would look at a young man and be like, hmm, this is a good little fucking guy, like, he ain't shit, he lazy, he really ain't this and that. It, was, it wasn't to belittle or to grade the little black boy or the little, young, the little boy coming into young manhood. It was to divert master's attention, take master's attention off of him, kind of paint him to be slow and no good and lazy so that he wouldn't get sold down the river or sold to another pl- plantation or overworked or anything like that. So they would um, dumb him down. The same way master was even, or effeminize him. Don't look that white man in the eyes. Don't say this. Don't say that. I don't think that they intentionally did it. They were trying to save his life. So that survival instinct kicked in, but it was fear-oriented. The revolution should be about survival, but it shouldn't be from a fear-oriented place. This is why we all a black power. It should be from a place of power. It should be from a place of progression. It should be from a place of uh, progress, uh, progression and advancement. You know what I'm saying? And this is what the – so when we say when – when, when I hear revolution as an um, African revolutionary, a revolutionary for African liberation, this is the concept that's coming up in my mind. So, yes, women are revolutionary. They're very instrumental in the change in society and in the, in the change in uh, social and cultural conditions within our societies and our communities. But are they for the better? I think that this is what, you know, the question for me, is it for the better or is it just for the continuation? And and not that that's a bad thing, but it just a ears thing. And us as revolutionaries have to take that ears thing and have to make that ears thing a productive thing. Brother, let's include someone in on this conversation. We see uh, we got the phone lines. 832-6151, your mic is open. That's you, 832-6151. Eight, three, two, six, one, five, one. 
Hey, Black Power, brother chairman. Black Power, brother. Uh, you clarify me uh, for me, chairman. Uh, it was just the fact of change and uh, how it just uh, played in the life of the black woman, and uh, you spoke more in depthly on it and just clarified a question I had. Okay, okay. I'm glad that I I'm glad that I could do that, brother. I'm glad that I could do that. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. sir. Black okay. Power. <clears throat> black power. So, you know, that's my whole thing. And we want to talk about, you know, um, getting into when we talk about the 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 the, the black woman in this change. Because I see we have some people on the line. We got. Uh, I'm gonna put you out there. We got if she if she's listening. We got. Sister Samantha on the line Who is opening up a gym Urban Perform Let me, in fact, we're going to open up your mic now You ain't even push one I'm just going to go on and open you up Samantha Hello Hello, put you on the spot Opened you up anyway <laughs> I was fucking like a king <laughs> <laughs> Tell them tighten up. Tell them I said tighten up. Um, oh, go ahead. Good. Okay, we're talking about, and, and we're talking, I know you're catching some of the show, just talking about the black woman being, you know, revolutionary, being very conducive, or being, uh, um, man, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm sorry, you guys. I am so tired. I'm just being instrumental in the change of society. But you and I were talking earlier. And we were talking right. about, and yeah, we were talking about the health aspect. And this is right. a good proponent because, you know, our black women are a lot of times the preparer of our foods and how health and how the black women are being targeted and certain foods we eat. You know, I like to get into the health proponent and health aspect of it. And while we're here too, let you send out a little a plug for you, a plug for the gym that you're opening up. And congratulations on the hard work and all the things that you're doing towards that, man. I, I personally applaud you for that. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm um, basically um, from the conversation we had earlier. I was letting you know about how black women, the obesity rate for black women, um, is higher than anybody else in America. It's higher than the black man, the white man, the white woman, the Hispanic man, the Hispanic woman. Everywhere, black women are targeted, and we have the highest obesity rate. And I was doing some research, and it hurt um, hurt to find that out because, like I was saying, we are moving targets, and that you know they took the man out of our out of the household. So many ways, so many times, from slavery to when they introduced the welfare and the food stamp program to mass incarceration, things like that. So the women have a lot to bear on them. And from that, you know, they, um, we're not set up for success. We go to the grocery store and the first thing you see is candy, chips, all this stuff that doesn't contribute to healthy eating. You don't get to the pro before you get to the produce you pass. So many different temptations, being able to go and work out. The reason why my gym exists today is so that we can provide access, just access to it. There are like 32 gyms in the Buckhead community, 10 gyms in the Midtown community, and one gym on the west side of Atlanta that is actually in walking distance. That is my gym. So we're trying to provide access so that these women won't be obese. They won't die from heart 
conditions, heart disease, the most silent killer of black women. They won't have strokes. The average rate of a person living in the neighborhood that I live in now is 72 years old. In other communities around Atlanta, they have a t- 10 more years life expectancy. 10 years. That's a huge difference. So based on the conversation that we had earlier, women, black women, have a lot, a huge responsibility in, 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 in everything that happens. Hello? to our phone lines one more time 817-7732 your mic is open true peace brothers can you hear me true peace true peace we can hear you I don't know true what peace, that brother. was about Sadiqa. this is Ifani K from Reasons Radio uh, broadcasted live through the Doc Book Shop if you want to listen to the show on Thursdays it's Doc D-O-C-K Radio um, just go to your Android Play Store, um, smartphone, iPhones, whatever, and uh, download Doc Radio, D-O-C-K Radio. And I'm also joined with Brother Yanga on Thursdays from 6 to 8 uh, Central Standard Time. Hey, I didn't hear out, the topic. Check it out. We're we dropping that thunder. Please check I us out. Doc Radio. Okay. Go ahead, sir. I didn't hear the um, intro. I didn't hear your intro, Brother Yanga. I got to be honest. I just heard the sister going out and then the phone started messing up and I heard her she talked she was talking about um life expectancy in the different parts of Atlanta and uh mm-hmm. she talked about how um much responsibility falls on the shoulder of the black woman and I just want to agree you know with her in in one breath we can't say mothers are the first teachers and then say you know we can't be responsible or we can't hold mothers or black women responsible for the health condition in our communities because it is, you know, we are, mm-hmm. we, we don't, and we started from infancy, you know, we're not really off into breastfeeding. So that's the beginning of uh, a bad health for our children, mm-hmm. you know, and then we mm-hmm. go from that, we go from powder, uh, similac formulas to homogenized cow's milk, which is created for a cow. Uh, or a calf. Uh, then we go from that to McDonald's chicken nuggets and, you know, mm-hmm. all kind of stuff that has 
we know poisons and uh, high fructose corn syrup and all kind of things that's bad for our bodies, and we don't understand why diabetes and cancer and these things are so rapid amongst black people, um, heart disease. We haven't studied the difference between southern food and soul food, you know, and, and for the most part, we really haven't got down to the bottom of what an actual soul is to know what kind of food to feed it. So there's just so many things in our communities that we got to start being more consciously aware of um, that we do. And, and black women, it is time for black women to step up to the plate. You know, there's no, there's no reason why we are in a, com- a condition that we're in when most black women mm-hmm. are on some kind of public assistance, like food stamps and uh, a WIC, which is a, a, feed, a, a food program that provides different foods like peanut butter and uh, beans and uh, different kind of dietary supplements. So, you know, we're going to the classes, but it's just, it's, it's a it's a big... Just, um, you know what, though, if I, you can speak on that, because here's the question. Let me give you the topic of tonight's show, because I was really hoping that you would call in, because I knew you would have some in. Is, you know, the targeting of African black women here in America... You know, we're always talking about the targeting of black men, you know what I'm saying? But is the black woman being specifically targeted to, to thwart any revolutionary action or any change of society? Is she being specifically targeted, not just from society, but have um, black men unwittingly contributed to uh, the demise and um, not even just the physical extermination, but the mental and spiritual and emotional extermination of black women here in America. Do you think that well, the black woman is specifically being targeted? Well, I think the black man, woman, and child is. You know, we okay. can't separate the three. You know, everything is a trinity. So our trinity in the physical is man, woman, and child. And all right of us on. are being, uh, all of us are being targeted, you know, but uh, yes, the black woman was the first to be targeted, and rightly so, because she is giving birth to the children. So she mm-hmm. has to be attacked first. She has to be uh, severely broken. So the um, well-being, the mental well health, as, for, as well as the physical health of the children in the community be distorted, and that's going to come through the mother. So she mm-hmm. has to be severely thrown off balance of course, of what was going on so that could happen. Because, you know, even in our confusion, even in our mm-hmm. lack of awareness, we are still down for the black community, uh, most black women. You know, even mm-hmm. in it doesn't matter the condition, we still date our black men. We go to prison to visit our black men. We put money on their books. We put money on our phones. We allow them to live in our public assistant homes. We allow them to eat off the food stamps. So we care. You know, we still mm. uphold the black family. It's just the mm. way that we're doing it. You know, we're not really doing it in a really uh, standardized way. We're doing it substandard or subpar. Mm. You know, that's how we, 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 we think we're doing good because we have relationships with our children, but and our men, but the relationships are really um, tainted, you know. Mm. What we go through in our homes, what our children go through in their minds, is really not uh, for the best uh, uh, 
uh, well-being for the people. So, mm. yeah, the black woman is definitely a target, definitely, definitely. And we can see it, you know, um, mm. when we see the influx of black men dating black women, that is a direct target against black women. You know, what? all of our the men. Influx of what? Say that again. Black men dating white women. White women, okay, okay, yeah. Black, yeah. all the black men that are dating white women, raising families with white women, leaving mm. all their wealth and health to white women, then that mm. itself is a target towards black women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We are so, definitely yeah. one of the main targets. Yeah. And right, and that's and then like you say, and that's just to destabilize the family, and 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 all of that because they know that that is the pillar of the family, the first teacher of the human species in in in, in any race is the woman. In any you know, race, and that's where they go. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, and that's where you're going to get it from, from the woman. So they okay. know if they can do something contrary, teach something contrary, promote a lifestyle that is contrary to um, the development and the advancement mm-hmm. of. African people, you know, what better way to do that than implement that through the instrument called a mother? Let's go back. Listen, we got Samantha back on the line. I'm going to leave your mic open, um, Sister Ifanike. Thank you. Let's contribute, definitely. Um, and go back to Samantha. What was explaining, Samantha? Your mic's over. Can you hear us now? Yeah, I can hear you. So what happened? You went to a concert or something on us? <laughs> some rap music or something. I, um... Yes. I, I don't know what happened. My, it, I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't, okay. I don't know. I, I was walking through the house, and then I went down, and I noticed that house. I was like, hello, hello, and I couldn't hear you. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were getting some strange sounds, sound like a concert. But you were talking yeah. about to go back and, you know, try to kind of help you catch up. You were talking about how um, black women, Suffer from obesity larger than the white man, the, the uh, white everyone. woman, everyone. and even the, the black man, everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone. High blood pressure, hypertension, uh, yeah. and things. Like, do you think that this is? Uh, do you think this is? Um, what am I looking for? Intentional? Do you think that they're being targeted for this? Is this? I mean, what is? Why is this? And you do? And what? And I'm also going to let you get a plug in for your gym, which I think is super cool. What you're trying to do to the community, bring back health and health awareness and proper nutrition to the black community, which is super important. But also, I want to ask you, as a health instructor, too, what's the difference? Because our women, let me tell you, I listen, love black women. I love the voluptuousness of black women and the <laughs> thickness of black women. Black women are not white women. They're not them stringy hair, little stick figure things that are walking around here look like somebody need to feed them. So what, you know, so what is healthy and what is compared to what standard? Okay, so basically there isn't a health standard for the black woman. We have to define okay. that on our own. We, that's mm-hmm. something that we haven't defined. We've been always mm-hmm. seeing what magazine is there for us. What, what mm-hmm. you know, what pictures, what, who are our role models? You know what I'm saying? Even mm-hmm. the models are stick figures. You know, where's our mm-hmm. plus size famous black plus size model? Mm-hmm. Hey, you know where they are? In the Lane Bryant catalog, in the mm-hmm. Catherine's catalog, hidden mm-hmm. from the rest of society. Mm-hmm. They're not okay. being shown. They're not being showcased. And these women 
are are healthy, you know, because they have to stay fit to be the plus size model because they have to maintain their weight. So they're they're, they're plus size, but they're healthy. Like I was saying earlier, we are African. We are from African descent. Our bodies are not like the Europeans. So we mm-hmm. carry the weight differently. We can, we're we going to mm-hmm. carry it differently. We can't fit their clothes. We can't work out mm-hmm. the way they work out. We can't eat the way they eat. We have to do things that are specifically for our body types. And people don't mm-hmm. understand it. People are like, well, I work out all this time and I can't. Well, yeah, you work out based on who? Who told you that workout? How did you figure mm-hmm. that out? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So, so um, there's different things that that are specifically for Black women, and we're not we're not set up for that success. We don't have that education, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's not and it's something that you have to look for. You absolutely mm-hmm. have to look for it. It's not out there in the Cosmo. It's not out there in Seventeen. If you know, and that's where it starts. I started looking at this magazine called Sassy when I was like 15, 16 years old, full of white people. Full of white people. Mm-hmm. They had nothing for the young black girl to look up, look and see. So you got these young girls killing themselves, starving themselves, in the boot, in the trying to be like Kim Kardashian. Mm. What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's trying to be like us. Is she trying to be like us? <laughs> <laughs> you talk about a dog chasing his tail. So we try yeah. to be like they try to be like her, and and, and they're trying to be like us. You gotta absolutely love it. You gotta absolutely love it. So what? Is and if if, if if the sister, if Mister, if, if Sister Samantha don't mind, if I could just come in real real quick and just say what's on my mind to say, um, I took a yoga class in college, and my yoga instructor was actually a white guy. You know, and when you first begin the class, you gotta do, you gotta weigh in, you gotta do your BMI, which is your uh, body mass index, and you gotta do all these different things in the beginning because this is actually a college course. So you know, the the um, the goal was to lose weight and really apply yoga to your life. Well, in weighing ourselves and doing our BMI, he informed us that you know, black we go under. European ideology of what uh, our body mass index is supposed to be, our weight and everything. And he was telling the black girls in the class that we should add at least 10 inches, <laughs> 10 pounds to whatever the bow weight is or whatever the standard weight and height measurement and all that stuff is because our bodies are completely composed different. And we should not be trying to uphold what they're telling us that what our weight and body mass index should be because it'll never be like that. We're two different species. And I was just like, wow, you know, that's one thing, too. I don't think that it's just an agenda that's being pushed right now. I just think it's from a lack of knowledge and a lack of, of information that black women don't understand the conditioning, that the psychological conditioning and the, the uh, meal plan that was given to us through through slavery. And so we still have that diet. And like I said, we think it's soul food, not knowing that it, that has, that's, it's not true, you know, so we'll still eat the, the pork fat and the pork cracklings and all these different uh, uh, dishes that really go against our best judgment and our health. And that is why my mother is 51 years old. She has four stints in her heart. 
before, mm. been diagnosed with diabetes, have had all kind of mini strokes, little heart attacks and all kind of stuff. Now she's going through her uh, uh, thing with her digestion, you know, but she don't drink water. She drinks a lot of soda, you know, and to tell her you need to drink more water, it's like whatever the hospital tell her, whatever her doctors tell her, that's what it is. I can't come in and say, that's not good mm-hmm. for you. Look at mm-hmm. this, look into this, look into hot fructose corn syrup, look into these different things that to help you, you know, uh, substantiate your health or whatever. She doesn't want to hear it. If the doctor didn't say it, then what I'm talking about is null and void. Yeah. And that's what it is. But, she, you know, she knows that any day that anything is, I mean, anything is possible for anybody, but when you're walking around with four stents in your heart and you keep having blockages, but you won't stop eating pork, you won't stop drinking soda all day, you won't stop doing things that are not good for your health, and you just haven't learned that that is not an African diet at all. That has nothing to do with our bodies and our health, you know, so I agree with the system. So here's my thing, and then let me send out the call sign. You're listening to the People's Black Panther Party Independent Black Blog Talk Radio, People's Voice, and we're talking about the targeting, the intentional and specific targeting of African black women here in America, which is a very important subject, brothers and sisters, and this is why I had it on here. I know a lot of people are like, man, how is this revolutionary and this and that? We love to hear the rah, 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 rah. Our, our women are essential to our liberation struggle and issues that affect our women directly, indirectly, and directly affect us mm-hmm. as revolutionaries. So are our women mm-hmm. being targeted? And this is one of the primary ways that they're being targeted. I'm glad that uh, Samantha could come on the line and share with us some of the things she's doing as well. We're talking about health and nutrition. She's, I'm going to throw out there a little bit. She's a chef. Uh, who has gotten into the fitness thing and has been in it for a couple years now and is now opening up a gym uh, in the inner cities. For those in Atlanta that know the Vine City area all around there, and that bluff shouted all up in that area to address the health issues that affect us as an African people that are real. This is a part of the targeting of African women, how it affects the family, because we know like what Sister Ifai Nikkei was saying, how they love on the black man, even to a point of, and I thought it was funny, first thing came to mind when you were saying that even eating off the food, sound, first thing I thought in my mind was boo-boo sitting up there eating all the baby cereal. Man, stay out in baby's cornflakes, boy. Um, you know, crazy? but <laughs> eating all the baby's Even Sunday, stuff. you know, we're going to go to the grocery right. store. We're going to cook, cook a big meal. Everybody going to eat. Everybody right. going to grow up. But it goes into what you're saying, why it's important, why we have to know that our women are targeted and do something to counter that because our women are the buyers of the groceries. So nutrition and healthy eating begins with our women. Would you find, Sister Samantha, being on, if you're still on the line, would you find that um, to be true that, you know, really address that it's imperative we begin to address nutrition with our women? Is that, you know, a part of the obese problem, not just trying to emulate other people, but like what Sutifah Nikkei was saying, some of the things we eat, and how does that even go into a lot of how our black women perceive themselves? I'm going to tell you this, one thing, before I turn it over, that gets me, man, and this is, I love black women. You guys know I do. I love my African women. But when I see these sisters, you know, and nice, developed women, 
thick women trying to squeeze into these white girl outfits with blonde hair and blue contacts. What the hell mm. is up with that? Man, mm. it is. You talk about Here he is, psychological conditioning. Oh, man. That is just that is just some of the most outrageous stuff. But um, speaking on that, so is, is, is our health being, you were saying about the images and not finding our body types or sisters finding their body types in magazines and stuff, is our health being or the nutrition being specifically targeted? Are we encouraged to eat uh, uh, unhealthy or is it just a lack of knowledge? I think it's both. I think that mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I'm learning, I'm in this fellowship, and um, we have learned that Vibe um, City, Vibe City is it's a food desert, it's a fitness desert, so we don't have access to healthy food. Um, the grocery store, we got Walmart and we got Kroger. And neither one of them, if you're on one side of town, it's hard to get to one. If you're on the other side of town, it's hard to get to the other one. So I read an article about back in the day when Dr. King lived in Vine City, how the corner store was essential to the neighborhood. It didn't have the Rellos and the and the Swishers and the, the pickles and the chips and stuff like that. It provided fruits and vegetables so that you could make right. it. You didn't have to go to the actual grocery store. You was able you had access to these healthy food choices. We don't have access to healthy food choices. We got access to chips, candy bars. Uh, soda, whatever you want besides fruits and vegetables. I went mm-hmm. to take the, take um, my kids to school, and I didn't go to the grocery store yesterday, so I stopped by the convenience store. Not a piece of fruit in there. Not a piece mm. of fruit in the convenience store. So when the women go to the grocery first of all, they're getting the EBT, which is fine. You know what I'm saying? So they have mm. hundreds of dollars at their disposal to do whatever mm-hmm. they wanted to do with it. They they're they're you know, they they are able to go to the grocery store and get whatever they want. Who's teaching them to get the fruits and vegetables? Who's teaching them to do a proper meal? Nobody. You know what I'm saying? The pop pockets, the easy microwavable stuff, the stuff that has no nutritional value whatsoever. You know, it's not it's not helping them in any kind of way to have nutrition. And so it's adding to the obesity. It's adding to the weight gain. It's adding to, to things that they're not, that's not contributing to our health. And their kids are watching. I was in the gro- in Walmart the other day. Oh, my God, I saw the buggy before I saw the lady. So the buggy was stacked full of stuff that just didn't make any sense to me. Me being a chef, I, I can I see a meal, I can plan a meal, I, you know what I'm saying? So all the stuff in there, it didn't add up to complete meals. It added up to her kids coming home, popping something in the microwave so she doesn't have to cook. And then you think hundreds of mm-hmm. dollars, hundreds of dollars a month for one person is being contributed to this junk. So absolutely. And, and, and no, there's no education on... Um, no education. They're not being taught how mm-hmm. Okay. Looks like well Samantha, the, I'm, here. I'm sorry. The, okay. The, I'm sorry. The, um just a lot of things contribute to the women not being able to make healthy decisions right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. And, you know, and here's the whole kicker, because I've always said that. I've said, you know, and all of that goes into and spills into the whole family thing, because if you're feeding your baby sugar puffs, yum yums, uh, snip snips, and you have all of this sugar before they go to school and they're bouncing off the wall, of course the teachers are going to think they got ADHD. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it's just simply a sugar rush. So, you know, nutrition goes a long way into that. But, you know, what gets me when we talk about the targeting of African women here in America, the black women here in America, is something that Ifai Nikkei said, um, is that the oppressor, whether it be the doctors, whether it be the commercials, whatever, can instruct, inform, encourage, and endorse what to eat, what to dress, what to wear, a certain behavior. But when you and I do it, then we meet all this resistance. You know, I'm mm-hmm. talking to two sisters on the line. What's up with that, with the sisters? What's going on with that With that for now? What, what, where does that come from? A lack, of, a lack of self-trust. You know, we don't trust each other. We don't mm-hmm. see any value. If you don't see value in yourself, you definitely not are not going to see value in anybody who looks like you. Value is coming from outside adverse forces. That's where they see the value in because that's where they see all the luxury. So if these people have all this wealth, then they have to be intelligent. And so what they're saying has to be the status quo, and we bought into their system. You know, again, I had to correct my mother on Saturday, giving my little nephew soda. And it's like, no, he's not going to drink. I said, you just want to keep the dialysis uh, clinics open and run, up and running, huh? You know, we bought him food, and we think it's okay. Yeah. You didn't say that, though, did you? Please tell me. I did. I said, you just want to keep the dialysis <laughs> open and running, terrible. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. You know, but and it, and it is an extreme lack of knowledge. We don't even know anything about our bodies and how it's composed and the many different systems that the body is uh, consists of. You know, people don't know that and they don't care to know because what, knowing brings responsibility, and nobody wants to be responsible. Mhm. Mhm. So, uh, well, let me ask you, Samantha. Are you still on the line? Y'all still here. Okay. So, you know, with the gym and everything going on and everything we're talking about, what methods and steps are you guys at Urban Perform uh, personally taking to counter some of the, you know, these illnesses that affect us as a people and specifically black women? And what general information and advice would you have as we start winding down in our last minutes our listeners, and specifically there again, black women who um, are listening to the program, to begin to offset this trend and change it and turn it into a positive or, or going start to head in a positive direction. Okay, my motto is we have to start with their minds. Um, we hmm. have to change their change their minds as to what they think they need to go in the store and buy. And start and, and it can start as simple with the with the defects office. They they you know they offer WIC in the beginning, but then they cut us loose with the food stamps. So where's the education with the food stamps? Where's the healthy meals planning and stuff like that with the food stamps? You like I said, you turn us loose with hundreds of dollars Every month, and who knows what you know what I'm saying with the before you get to the produce department, how much junk you see and tempted to put in there, and without meal planning, 
and you go in there and you spend unnecessary dollars, you know? So it's, it's, it's starting with the mind and let people know that there's healthy options. And um, right now we're in a rebuilding stage of the gym. So I do have nutritionists that are available to, you know, speak with someone. Like um, the sister said, you, you know, there's a process. It starts with the BMI, knowing where you are, knowing what you need, where what your body fat content is or, or and things like that, knowing, you know, what you need to work on and exercises that will keep you, you, you know, heart healthy and things like that. That information is needed first to succeed, you know, to be successful in, in, in getting some of the weight off. So it's a whole program that I want to um, implement um, during the rebuild, starting with knowing what you need to arm yourself and so that you are able to, you know, fight off this, the weight, fight off the stress, the depression, the depression that starts and, and, and helps you add to the weight. So it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm working on, um, working through, but I think it starts with the mind. She hit the nail on right the on. head, brother. Young. Right on. That, well, I'm glad you said it because that was, that question was coming to you, you know, as an school. Hey, well, listen, we, I, I know your motto. I'm on with you every Thursday again on GodRadio.com. <laughs> you can check us out, man. Get some of this, some of, you know, the continuation is these programs and, and this um, good exchange we have. I know your motto, but share it with our listeners. You know, as an educator, someone in the school system, where can we begin? What are some of the steps that we can take to begin to educate our people, and specifically our women, you know, um, into them being targeted in some of the, Traps and pitfalls they have laid for us, some of these snares and things. You know, what are, what are some of the ways that you would advise? It definitely has to start with the mind. I agree 100% with Sister Samantha. Um, but if a, there's a conversation that I'm ready to have amongst our people, you know, being a liberator myself, I'm, I'm not uh, for food stamps and public assistance for black people, for black women in particular, because once we get the person to be responsible for self, then we can sit down and have these higher conversations that need to be had. Until then, we got to be honest. A lot of black women are getting food stamps and getting having hundreds of dollars at their uh, disposal, but what are they doing with it? So the average black woman who who is receiving three, four, five, six hundred dollars worth of food stamps, they might sell four. So then yeah. when they go in the grocery store with $200 to feed five children, then they are going to buy the cheapest things. They are going to do that, mm. you know, wow. and that's the real, that's the reality. Yeah. Now, I don't, receive, I don't get them, you know, and every now and then I'm going to be 100% honest. If I can find somebody selling some, I'm going to jump on it. <laughs> I am. I got two sons to feed, and that's just I'm keeping it 100 because I got to keep it 100 with my people. But I'm going to be the one to get the food stamp part and go to Central Market and yeah. get my greens and get my cabbage and get my, you know, uh, fruits and vegetables and whatnot. But I can't make everybody, you know, you can't get everybody on that page when, First of all, they're already choosing to sell the food stamps out anyway, and then you go in the grocery store with $200 left to last you for the month. Yep, you go in there and buying big packs of pork chops, big canned goods. You're not going to buy fresh vegetables or even frozen vegetables. You're going to go right to the 10 for 10 
at the Kroger's or the, or the Walmart's and get you 10 cans of uh, extra sodium uh, sodified canned goods, and that's how you're going to feed your family. That's why I don't agree with public assistance like that. I think we need to move past that. We've had it. I think if you really, really need it, for those who really, really need it, then okay, I get it, I understand, but for the masses of us, uh, I, I think it's time for us to start being responsible for ourselves. And once we start being responsible for ourselves, then we'll really step our game up and do what's necessary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. We're ending up going on our last 19 minutes of the show. Listen, if there's question comments, we got, you know, for the callers coming in. Right now we have Sister Ify Nikkei coming on, who is an educator also, I co-host with her on Thursdays, man. We have enlightening conversations that go into subject matters much as much like this one and, and even deal a lot of times it even gets a lot more in depth. Uh we have Samantha on the line who is a chef, uh um and a physical fitness what 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 they call what should we call you, Samantha? Jim operator physical <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm technically I'm a um certified group fitness um instructor. I'm a okay. chef. And I'm a, an executive director of a nonprofit gym, so I don't know. <laughs> so I'm a nutritionist okay. also. So with okay. my chef being a chef, I'm a nutritionist. Okay, cool. So you said it. That right there, what she said, we have on the line. <laughs> and, <laughs> and if you'd like to come in, you know, press one in our last 19 minutes. If you have questions, comments, critiques, criticisms, opinions, we're talking about the targeting of African black women here in America, how they're targeted, if you feel like they're being targeted. I had a little earlier, I had, you know, my brother was on there, was going to very uh, uh, insightful, enlightening exchange of ideas. And like he was saying that, you know, his feeling that the woman is very revolutionary, even much more so than a man, based on what she has dealt with historically, what she's dealing with contemporarily, and the advances that we constantly make um, at the charge of our women, very high accolades and kudos he was paying to the black women, which I think is rightly so and muchly deserved. Um, but like I said, we're coming in the last 18 minutes, so if you want to contribute to this conversation, press 1, and we can recognize you. If not, continue to listen and enjoy uh, and continue to be informed. One of the things, though, that I would like to address when we're talking about the targeting of the African women, because we address it, health, we address the look, you know, being in the magazines, them not seeing themselves and things of this nature. I would like to address the role, and I waited intentionally for the last 10 minutes because I know this could get heated, is the role the woman plays in rearing and raising the children. Now, my sisters, do you feel that the black woman, single black woman, can raise, not nurture, not groom, but raise a black man. Let's start with you, Sister Ifa Nikkei. I think it's actually the other way around, what you what you went against. I don't think a woman uh, can raise a man, but she can definitely nurture a man because that's okay. already in our general makeup to do anyway. We we you you come from us. You know, you came from our womb attached to a placenta. You're automatically going to be an emotional attachment to your mother. So we can nurture, definitely, 
a man, but we can't raise a man. Of course not. It's going to take another man to do that. That's like a, a, a cat trying to raise a dog. It's not going to happen, you know. So definitely men are very necessary in our community. We know that just by life itself. You can't have conception unless you have a man and a woman. I agree with that. But a woman in her right mind, and, her, and and that's the show for this Thursday, I want to talk about the conscious state of black America, you know. And so in her right mind, yeah, but when she is, you know, like you said, squeezing her uh, big body into a small European outfit that she didn't order off a wish or something like that, and then... Uh, with her blonde hair and her blue eyes trying to raise her black son, you know, that's already, she's already psychologically in balance. So what she got coming for him is is nothing. Yeah, yeah, and platinum blonde at that. What about you, Samantha? (laughs) My bad. I'm I'm muted so you wouldn't hear my background. Um, Okay. Basically, (laughs) <laughs> um, I I can play off of what what the sister said. It it it's women can be black women can have an identity crisis, right? You know what I'm saying? We got so many things coming at us in so many different angles. Like you said, you want to want to get the outfit off a of wish because you think it looks cute on the person you see it on. You you want the flowy hair, you know what I'm saying? But even though natural hair has come back into play or whatever, you want to eat whatever you want to eat, but you don't realize your body is different or whatever. It's, it's a lot of things that play into the black woman's life or, or, or you know, or whatever her it psyche. is. And we are, huh? Say that. Her psyche. There you go. Thank psyche. you very much. Yeah, where she she is torn between Nicki Minaj or you know what I'm saying, whoever it is that's that's out there who's relevant right now. Um, but that's what they get firsthand. Where's the people who teaching them about Nina Simone? You know what I'm saying, and her contributions mm-hmm. to sure there could be a Nicki Minaj. You know where where's the where's Lauren Hill? You know what I'm saying. It's the 20th anniversary of of Lauren Hill's album. So, wow. you know, a lot, a lot of things play 20th into 20th anniversary. Wow. 20th anniversary. So, wow. <clears throat> a lot of things play into um the black woman's psyche. We got a lot on our shoulders. We got a lot. We got to support you. We got to support our black men. We got to raise our children. We got to bust it down in the court in the courtroom, the boardroom, the bedroom, everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We got to hold it down. It is no excuse. We can't be sick. We can't be late. We can't be nothing mm-hmm. but who we are. You know what I'm saying? So if you can't, and then we, we're not allowed to be ourselves. Who is the black woman? You know what I'm right. saying? The African sisters have dissed us for so long, we don't even run to them no more. The white women don't like us. They hate us. Yep. So we got to come up they with our own identities. And, the black, and we hate each other. It is rare for mm-hmm. us to lift up each other. We need, we need help. We need help. We need to be, we need that unity. We need to be able to uplift each other as well as uplift our families and, and our husbands and our men and our and our children. We need to help each other also. Wow. Wow. What's you doing there? Where's Amaru? Hmm? What did you say? No, I was saying to Samantha, where's Amaru? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. 
Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You are absolutely right. We got it. Man, that was heavy. That was real heavy. I never, you know what? And I've never heard it put like that. That the black women go through that. That that was an identity crisis. You know, we're always talking about the black man and the black man. Who are we as black people? But never really thought about or put it in the terms of listening in the terms of um, black women going right. through the thing of who are the black women. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, you know, when you are young and you you are you've been subjected to perming your hair and straightening your hair and doing different things to your hair, even for most of us, going back natural, finding out who we are is a process. You know, we got to learn how to comb our damn hair all over again. And it's ours. We don't even know how to comb our hair. We just know how to comb Barbie's hair. Wow. So what what can we do for our black men? Uh, you said a mouthful in. You said a mouthful yeah. in. <laughs> Just not comb Barbie's hair. That's it. We know how yeah. to comb Barbie doll hair. We can't comb our hair and don't want to do anything with it. Nothing. Yeah. We don't even want to yeah. touch it. And a lot of women are going back natural because they forced to go back natural because they losing their hair. But they, you know, they don't they don't touch it or anything anymore. But they gonna slap a wig on it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah. we cannot, we're not even comfortable in our own skin. So it makes it really, really hard for us, you know, and I'm just going to keep it 100. And, and, it, and it, ha- it, it has nothing to do with sex. See, we're not, we don't come from that. And showing my children a movie, Shaka Zulu, you know, they were able to see how we could be, we could walk around in our natural state and then not be like, Ooh, like a sex scene, you know, and the one scene where Shaka's mom was standing there talking to the father and one of her breasts was out or whatever. And my son was like, her her breast is just out, mama. And her and her daddy are having a serious conversation. And I'm like, that is a feeding utensil, you know, to feed a baby. Nobody is looking at that in a sexist way. But yeah. that's, the, that's the society that we're in right now. Everything is about sex. But just going outside of that, when we came from double family households and daughters loved their fathers, they wanted a man that reminded them of their father. And when, when little boys loved their mother, they wanted a woman that resembled their mother. Now little black boys have two uh, 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 down, downfalls, you know, two, two uh, disabilities, and that's, some of them can't stand their mamas because their mama's just stupid and just do the most stupidest thing or maybe just always talking about the daddy and just out here just living ratchet and reckless and they end up hating their mama. Or the mama is, like you said, with the platinum blonde and the blue eyes or whatever. Yeah. So you yeah. just told him that inadvertently I want to be a white woman and white women mm-hmm. are the standard of beauty. So when they go out and they date a white woman, then who can say anything to them when a mama wore a blonde wig all their life? Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't have anything. I, I was raised with both of my parents. I love my father. And mm. in going out in the world, dating men, I look for different characteristics and qualities that I've seen in my father and my man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because but that's I, the beginning. That's the standard. I think that that's the, that's the, I think that that's a mouthful. And I think that, you know, when we talk about the targeting of African black women here in America, that that's one of the, um, 
one of the targeting tech, not targeting one of the techniques, one of the weapons used is to discount the black woman's value even to herself, not knowing how much of a pivotal role she plays in the development and the establishing of a healthy mental uh, um, understanding in the black community, a healthy concept, black concept, aesthetically, you know, from beauty-wise to just in socialization with one another, how much of a role that the black woman plays in that. And us as black men, brothers, listen to me. I don't think that we really understand that. So stepping up, we have to demand more and be realistic in our demands. Like I was saying earlier that I don't think you got to hear um, Sister Ifa Nikkei, like, you know, even for our brothers that go overboard with that, oh, queen, oh, oh, empress, goddess, and this and that. You got, you know, some of them brothers is just, I call them conscious pimps. I'm going to be honest. Some of them shooting the game to get leg, get tail, because all that sounds good. You know, you just didn't flip the shahode, flip the street game to the so-called comedic conscious game or whatever. But really not being realistic in what that entails when you're saying queen, when you're saying mother, when you're saying goddess, not just the reverence and the sacredness of those words, but the responsibility and accountability Mm -hmm. that comes with being a mother, a goddess, and a queen. You know, and I don't think that brothers really um, hold that standard, and it has been so usely used. Same with in reverse Mm -hmm. with these brothers, oh, king, this and that. And, you know, I get offended at that. You know, like I once to tell me, they heard me use the word queen, and she was like, well, you call this sister queen, you don't even know she's a queen. Don't call me queen no more. If that's your standard, if that's all it takes to be there, don't use that for me. You know, and it's the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I tell oh, people in a minute, don't call me that. Yeah, 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 because it's just been game. And it's the same thing. You call that nigga king, that's your standard of a king, then, yo, please skip me with that Skip me with that label. You know, because mm-hmm. that, that ain't nothing. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, there has to be something behind these words we're using and understanding that these are part, you know, all a part of the attack. Listen, I'm coming down to my last minutes. Um, let me give Sister Samantha uh, three minutes, and then you, Sister Ifai Nikki, I'm going to give you the last couple minutes to speak on. Sister Samantha, did you want to say something in closing? Shout out to Jim or anything? Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, like you said, we're in Vine City. It's a neighborhood on the west side of Atlanta. Um, English Avenue, if you know English Avenue, you know Vine City. We're directly the neighborhood that uh, that the Mercedes-Benz Stadium affected. So, um, <clears throat> basically, urban perform. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you trying to have a Vine City, English Avenue. Call it whatever we know about it, Shawty. You're in the bluff, Shawty. You're in the bluff. <laughs> uh, basically, <laughs> we are providing access, like I said, access to the exercise. I'm not trying to make um, the mess, next Mr. or Miss Universe. The life expectancy in Vine City is only 72. It's 10 years less than what it is in the other surrounding neighborhoods. I'm trying to give those people those 10 years back. You know, you don't have to be stick figure to be healthy. You know, I'm not stick figure, but I can run a 5K. You know what I'm saying? I can teach a one-hour cardio class. And and so... Huh? So it, it, it's a it's a matter of okay. just starting to move, and we're there. We're we're in Vine City, 128 Vine Street, 
And if you're, you you want to come and check us out, you can go on the on Facebook, Instagram, the website, all of that. We're available to you. Send out the, send out the, the address real quick on the website. It's oh, 128. Yeah. Well, Instagram is at ATL Urban, Urban Perform, and on the website is um, website www.urbanperform.org. Right, www.urbanperform.org. ATL yeah. at Urban Perform on the Instagram. Check it out, man. She's and, doing some good positive Facebook, stuff. I'm sorry. And Facebook is just Urban Perform. Urban Perform? Yeah. Uh, bro, yeah. Does Brother Yanga have all your – do you have our contact information, Brother Yanga? Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, Sister Samantha, I am going to get in contact with you. I have an aunt that lives in Georgia, and she is a very avid uh, uh, gymnast. Gymnast, <laughs> you know, she goes and works out all the time, and she is, you know, she will oblige black business and everything. So I want to get her that information. She has a lot of lady friends in Atlanta, and so they work out all the time. That's awesome. That's awesome. That thank you so much. Oh, no problem, no problem. That's what we got to do, man. We got to hold each other up. You know, it's time for us to start switching some things that we say. We've been talking about holding each other down for so long. It's time to hold each other up. Time to hold each other up. So, Zephi Nikki, I'm going to attempt to squeeze this person in. I only have three minutes, but I love trying to get my callers in. 469-3701. I can give you one minute. Your mic is open. Uh, go ahead. This is uh, Brother Ali from Dallas, Texas. Uh, I was just listening in to everything that was being said tonight. Peace to the uh, brothers and sisters on on the air and on radio. Uh, I think it's very important that, uh, like, tonight, uh, I was listening with one of my baby daughters, one of my daughters. Uh, she's eight years old. Her, her name is Empress. And uh, she decided to sit in the room with me tonight and listen in. I think it's very important right that uh, we let our children listen to everything else on the airline, all this foolish, mm-hmm. all this foolishness that we listen to on the radio stations and all that kind of stuff on the airline, sports, the TVs, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think it's positive that they're, that they're listening too. Uh, sure enough, she's a baby, but uh, she's also going to be a strong black queen one day. That's right. Yeah, it, it, so uh, right now we just let her listen. And I think that's very important that our children listen in too. So they already have some kind of idea and some kind of structure. Uh, which way we want them to head? Black power. Black, Black power, power, family. Brother uh, Ali, Brother Ali, yes. can you hear me? Brother yes, Ali, go you. to your phone, go to your Play Store on your phone and download Doc, D-O-C-K Radio. I'm Ifanike. I'm in Fort Worth. I'm always in Dallas. Me and Brother Yanger are on every Thursday from 6 to 8 our time. So it's Doc, D-O-C-K Radio. It's an absolutely free app. Go on. Uh, log on on um, well just tap in all you got to do once you put the app on your phone you just tap it in and every Thursday from 6 to 8 you can listen let the baby listen my sons listen every single Thursday they do not miss a Thursday you know and it okay. is important to get the children involved in these kind of conversations okay D-O-C-K okay radio two gotcha. words Hey, brother Ali, man, listen, and I want to thank you and, and come for, and definitely check me and Sister Ife, uh, Ife Nikkei out on that. And, and we want to thank you for allowing us into your home and allowing us to be a part of Empress Life, man. We don't take that for granted. That's no small yeah, thing. You know what I'm saying? That is no small. Nobody, you, you can't entrust your children to everybody. So thank you for that, brother. Yes, that sir. meant a lot to me and that made my night, black man. 
Listen, I yeah, love everybody that listened. You know, um, Sister Eva, Nick A for coming on, man. Always love when you come on. Love what we do on the weekend. Samantha, thank you for taking out of your busy day. I know them boys will keep you busy and you ripping and running doing your thing. I want to thank everyone who supports the show and shared their Tuesday with us, two hours out of your Tuesday. There again, we don't take that for granted. You allowing us to be a part of your life, too. Um, so tune in next week, man, and we share it with you. I leave you as I greet you, all powers to oppress people. African power to an African people and black power. Black Black power, family. All power to the people. All power to the people. Yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did. Pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151. One sip will make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence. Who I'm gon' body this hood politics is knowledgeable. Leave bodies chopped up in garbage. Seeds watch us grow up and try to follow us. Police watch us roll up and try knocking us. One knee, I duck. Could it be my time is up? With my luck, I got up. The cops shot.